Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. On the last day of 2023, I had an acute onset of lower back pain, or more commonly known as I threw out my back, which was a terrible end to an already terrible year or a bad omen for 2024, depending on how you look at it. It was rough. It was the first time I actually threw out my back. I'm not even 30 and I'm kind of upset about it. (laughs) I have severely thrown out my back twice, both times bending down to pick something up. The first, so I had never had really any kind of back pain. And then, I don't know, this must've been eight or nine years ago. We were down visiting James's family in Georgia And I dropped my car keys for the rental car. I bent down, not even thinking, bent down to pick it up and halfway up horribly throughout my back. Turns out I I didn't herniate a disc, but I like partially pooched out and like I squished it. Oh, yeah, that's rough. Right where the sciatic nerve comes out, which means not only did I hurt my back. You also threw out your leg. (laughs) Yes. So my right leg, like down through the back of my leg. I had this horrendous pain. And remember, I just said we were in Georgia. So this is before we had TSA pre-check. And actually, this was the thing. I was like, so listen, <laughs> must have been right after we got married because we got TSA pre-check and we just renewed anyway. So it's probably 10 years ago. But like going through the airport, could not put on my own shoes. Right, because you couldn't bend over. Because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't bend over. Yeah. And the second time was right after I had had surgery. So I was in a cast was about to walk out the door for a one day, not like an overnight, like same day round trip Uh to Chicago. I think it was Chicago. Why is it always when you're traveling? And I I bent down to pick up my shoe, not even from the floor, from the shoe rack. And I got stuck halfway down. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Had to then get on an airplane. And give a talk. Yeah, it's not fun. No, it's horrible. Anyway, I commandeered your story. What was your issue? How'd you throw out your back? I think I just woke up and I just couldn't get out of bed and I had no (laughs) idea why. And I don't know. It was that moment where I realized that I take my postural muscles for granted. They hold me up thanklessly every day and I treat them with poor posture and lack of exercise. And maybe I'll change, but I haven't. It's We're now a whole month into 2024 and I haven't changed and they're probably still mad at me. But anyway, the point is we took a lot of these things for granted, like things that, you know, just we normally have, like you don't know what you're missing until you lose them. Absolutely. We did this exercise at a retreat for the center in September where we were asked to reflect on an aspect of our identity that we think about the least, Mm. which was really hard because if you don't think about something, you don't know it. It's hard. But someone that I was paired with talked about their physical ability, right? Their lack of disability, like their ability to move around without having to think about it. And it's so interesting because we we really, I certainly don't think about it. Take it for granted. I think about what I can do. Like, oh, I could go out and run a 10K. Insane. Right. Well, I don't feel great right now, but like <laughs> I could go run a 10K without even thinking about it because I'm active regularly. But I don't necessarily think about what I couldn't do if I. Exactly. Yeah. Like, anyway, it's interesting. That's a good exercise. So today's topic is about disability, something that I personally think doesn't get discussed enough. I personally think so. Uh, not sure how you feel about that, but like many of our topics, let's start with. The basics. We're going to go over some terminology. Let's do it. Just in general, we're trying to use person-first language. 
So we used to talk about alcoholics. Now we might talk about people with alcohol use disorder or, you know, drug users. And now we talk about people who use drugs. So same thing in the context of abilities or limited abilities, right? We might talk about instead of saying someone is disabled, we would talk about people with disabilities or even more common now, what I'm hearing is people with different abilities or different levels of ability. The term disability is generally okay, but sort of moving away from like just saying someone is disabled and really thinking about the person first. And also, this is something that I've learned when I was researching this. Uh, differently abled is actually not great because you're just saying disabled, mm -hmm. but in a different way. It's still not person first or people first. Right. So people with different abilities or people who are differently abled would be sort of the, the compromise, or not the compromise, the more appropriate way to use that phrase. Yeah. When I read that, I'm like, yeah, differently able is just another way to say you're disabled. We want to, again, shift away from that and towards more people first language. Um, and I think this statement that I found is actually, I think, wraps up really nicely. The problem isn't the disability part. The term disability is OK, because disability is not you don't want to like you don't want to stigmatize it. Yeah, right? you don't like there's nothing it. wrong with having a disability. There's nothing wrong with having a disability. The problem isn't a disability. The problem is defining someone as their disability part, which is saying that they're disabled or saying that they're alcoholic, et cetera. So, again, people first is the first and foremost general practice going forward. I have a quick tangent before we move forward. So one, okay. if anyone is on Instagram, I think the Instagram page is called like ill abilities, I-L-L abilities. And it is people, people with different abilities doing breakdancing, which is really kind of cool to see all the yeah. different things that folks do. I think breakdancing is amazing anyway, the way people can control their bodies. But anyway, people might want to check that out. Well, there's a few things that I also found when researching into this. Again, I don't have a disability and I certainly don't think about disabilities enough. So when I did some research, I was actually very, you know, surprised is not the right word. I, I was like, wow, this is a lot of knowledge that I previously don't have that I have now. So there's a few things that I found that I thought was really interesting. For example, instead of saying the handicap or disabled space, you say accessible space. Yeah, that makes so much more sense to say something is an accessible space rather than a disabled handicap. Because if you say something is a disabled space, also grammatically, that doesn't make sense. Are you saying that space is disabled? That doesn't right. make sense. So you should say accessible space. I thought that was really cool. Well, yeah, and I, I really like that framing because it thinks about how all people might access a space. Right. Like even somebody who does not have a disability of some kind. Right. So somebody who doesn't have something that could impact their mobility, for example, might might find it nice, might have thrown out their back one day and be like, oh, yes. it's really oh nice to walk up a ramp <laughs> instead of stairs. Yes, exactly. Or uh, use one of those pushy thingies on the on the doors. Yeah. The automatic door pushy thingies. I don't know what those are called. But. Yeah, an automatic door opener because like maybe you got your hands full. Right. So like how can we just generally make the space more inclusive and easier to navigate for everyone? Another thing that I thought was cool, instead of saying a normal person, like use people without disabilities or able bodied or I guess the person first would be people who are able bodied, I guess. But yeah, like the term normal person in general is just a weird term to use. Like, oh, I'm normal and you're not. Well, like, it's again, very stigmatizing. Also, I don't know any people who are actually quote unquote normal. Yes. Like what does normal even mean? <laughs> Nobody like, knows. There's, there's a lot of bias that goes into like who gets the normal label versus not. Let's just not call people. Normal. My dad just straight up calls himself abnormal. He's like, I'm abnormal. Like, yeah, I think it's what makes people unique. You know, if you told me you were a completely normal person, I'll be like, that means you're not that interesting. Huh? <laughs> 
uh, I don't know if I should keep that in, but anyway. Um, yeah, the uh, go ahead, keep going. These are your revelations while you were. Thinking. Sure, sure, sure. But happy to discuss them. Another thing is don't say, wow, they're so brave or don't say it to their face. Wow, they're, you're so. Who would say that? I could see people saying it. I don't think I would have, but I could see people saying because it's a very common trope that you see in maybe not in media nowadays, but it's like, wow, they're so brave for living with this. Wow, you're, you have so much courage or whatever. Don't do that. No, that's oh, I'm like, I'm so cringing right now. That's just not right. But I feel like some people do. Some people like uh, yeah. definitely think in that mindset and you shouldn't. Ultimately, I think this is just a good advice in general. When in doubt, just ask them how they would like to be referred or ask them like, what is the proper terminology? That's always the safe strat. Absolutely. And I don't remember if we've talked about this before, but I am wholly opposed to the idea of the golden rule, which is like treat others how you want to be treated, because that assumes that everyone is exactly like you. What you should do is treat people how they want to be treated. Correct. And the only way you know how to treat people is if you ask them. And like, I think about this largely in the context of students or faculty, uh, junior faculty that I mentor, but this applies like across the board. Just like treat people how they want to be treated, not how I would want to be treated. Because if I had everybody who was exactly like me, man, my research would be a lot worse. <laughs> like it would just be way less diverse yeah, yeah, and yeah. way less thoughtful if it was just, you know, if everybody was exactly like me. Yeah. It's a reflection of equality versus equity for sure. Equality is you treat everyone the same, right? Equity is treat everyone according to, to each according to their needs, right? Yep. Yeah. I love that. That's a very nice, very nice touch. So Everything is Public Health, this show, has at this point many running gags or mishaps, if you recall. <laughs> one of which is this topic is too big for us to cover in one episode. And surprise, surprise, we are doing it again. <laughs> because seriously, you know, this ability is a topic that is simply too big for us to cover and talk about in depth in one episode. Absolutely. I mean, this is a whole field of study. This is... Dissertations have been written about. <laughs> many, many, many. Yeah. And our point, uh, the goal of the show is not to explain to you every single facet of every topic, but to introduce you to why things are public health issues or why we might want to have a better understanding of a particular topic. Yeah. So we're focused on a few points. And first, another cliche of this podcast, we're going to define the terms. Uh, we just defined it generally above, but we're going to define the terms the way that broader society and our government has defined it, because that does have big implication. Cass, whose definition do you think we should trust? As in, if you want to find the official legal definition of disability, where do you think that definition will be? It's a great question. My first guess would be the Americans with Disabilities Act. But I also know that there are that that could be could be. Be the source of the U.S. definition, but I am pretty sure that other agencies also have definitions. Like I think CDC has a definition and like we're only thinking U.S. context. So there's got to be some international definitions, too. So like World Health Organization, maybe I'm sure there's other like there's probably other sources, but those are three the encyclopedia and the dictionary. Yeah, that, that too. So, yeah, there are tons of different places where you can find different definitions. In fact, every country sort of have their own definition of what a disability is in a legal setting. Uh, you are correct. The ADA is the de facto definition. Like, in fact, a lot of laws are written with the ADA's definition in mind. So we're going to go through a few of these. ADA is the main one. 
ADA's definition in non-discrimination laws, because when it comes to discrimination lawsuits, it's a whole other can of worms. In non-discrimination laws, a person with a disability is generally defined as someone who, one, has a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more, quote, major life activities, unquote. Two, has a record of such impairment. Or three, is regarded as having such impairment. Um, how we feel about that definition? Uh, it's very broad and... Yeah purposely vague yeah sort of vague and generic but i think that's because the default should be to include people who may have a disability as opposed to exclude people so i think this is probably very broad in terms of like access to resources etc but then when it comes to actual services i imagine there would have to be a more restrictive definition yeah we will definitely touch on that in a bit you definitely uh, foreshadowed something another trope of the show another a place that you might find a definition for disability is the social security administration because they also handled a big part of the actual delivery of the service and payments social security disability yeah, yeah, yeah payments social security defines it as individuals must have a severe disability parentheses, or combination of disabilities, and parentheses, that has lasted or is expected to last at least 12 months or result in death, and which prevents working at a, quote, substantially gainful activity, end quote, level. You can already see the difference between the ADA's definition, which was meant to be establishing a legal basis, and the Social Security's definition, which is actually have to do with distributing services and payments. For one, 12 months, there's a time frame now. Yeah, so I think this is individuals may have short-term disability. So at Hopkins, we have long-term disability insurance and short-term disability insurance. And so that- We do? Yes, for (laughs) benefits, when you opt into benefits each year or select your benefits. And short-term disability, like it has to last longer than two weeks, but less than, probably less than 12 months. Otherwise it would kick over into this longer-term disability. But because you're accessing money, right, payments, like there needs to be some more strict criteria or sort of more clear definition as you were saying, than the than the ADA. Yeah. Another thing I want to highlight is the substantial gainful activity levels. It's another thing. Maybe we'll comment on this later, but yeah, keep that in mind. For them, it's more about figuring out who needs, quote unquote, needs such payments and services, right? CDC, on the other hand, is a uh, organization that's about what are they about? Public health. Yeah, I guess public health. So their definition is. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> It's the leading public health agency in the U.S. In America, that's true. So their definition is any condition of the body or mind, parentheses, impairment, close parentheses, that makes it more difficult for the person with the condition to do certain activities, parentheses, activity limitation, and parentheses, and interact with the world around them, parentheses, participation restrictions, and parentheses. So more academic, because we're I feel like CDC is a more academic space. So the definition they have like three tier impairment, activity limitations, and participation restriction. And you can see how like different agencies just think differently about the same thing. Yeah, and it's a little bit like the ADA in that it's sort of a broader definition, but I think it makes it also um, I don't know, a little bit more of an approachable definition. I don't know if that makes sense. Like Yeah, well, this is on the CDC's website, so I think they made it to be approachable. 
the WHO, I know we're very US centric and I'm trying to be more inclusive of topics that are not just US centric, but the US, as we will probably do another episode, is uh, woefully, <laughs> woefully below a lot of countries' level when it comes to a lot of things, disability uh, included. The WHO has their own definition, which is very similar to the CDC's definition. Impairment in a person's body structure or function or mental functioning. Examples of impairment include loss of a limb, loss of vision or memory loss, activity limitations such as difficulty seeing, hearing, walking, or problem solving, participation restriction in normal daily activities such as working, engaging in social and recreational activities, and obtaining healthcare and preventative services. So, so kind of mirrors the CDC's. Yeah, I was going to say the CDC definition with some additional context. Yeah. So again, uh, WHO and CDC are sort of in that public health academic space. So their definition sounds a little different than the ADA and the Social Security Administration. What do you think of these definitions? Do you think they're inclusive enough, I guess? That's a great question. Um, there is a correct answer. I think <laughs> I think this is a challenging space to be in. So yes. on one hand, you are balancing, like making sure that you can include everyone who has some disability, but then not so broad that people who aren't really truly impacted on a day-to-day aren't going to then also take advantage of those resources, right? So like I understand the balance there. I think... In general, the U.S. approach is to make it as hard as possible to gain access to things. And so probably not as inclusive as it could be. But I think it's also like one of the issues, I'll just say broadly, like this is not necessarily a definitional issue, but there are people who have a disability that you can't see, whether that's a health issue that you can't see or a mental health issue And so I think that is a challenge that can make it harder, perhaps, for people to get access to services, particularly in a more restrictive definition. I don't know if I answered your question. Whatever. Moving on. No, no, no. I think I just wanted to get your take on it. And I think you're right. It is a tough balance to walk. And also, uh, the American legal system is very much based on lawsuits or like cases. So countless countless lawsuits have been filed debating what qualifies as a disability under these various definitions. And also, because America is America, high variability across local jurisdictions and state jurisdictions. So when I ask, like, are these definitions inclusive enough? The answer is yes and no. Yes, in that the ADA purposely made it vague. But it's one thing to have things on the books that say something. It's another thing whether that is actually realized in practice. And you will find countless of resources, which we will touch on a little bit, that's like the ADA is not enough. Like a lot of disability advocates are like, no, the America does not do nearly enough as its peer country or where it should be. Yeah, and that's something we've maybe talked about, but not in a while, is sort of the difference between big P policy and little p policy, right? Like big P policy laws, regulations, those sorts of things. Little p policy can include like, But how do we actually apply it or what are the practices that we're engaged in? And that can really dramatically affect the effectiveness of a law. Yeah, exactly. So it's just some examples of things that fall under the ADA's definition that has been uh, established by case law. Blindness, low vision, mobility-related disabilities, cerebral palsy, intellectual disabilities, autism, major depressive disorder, traumatic brain injury, cancer, diabetes, PTSD, HIV. Worth noting that not all these are visible and worth noting that not all these are like quote unquote traditional disabilities, right? Like there's a lot of things that ADA considers a disability that you can have compensation for or, you know, have stuff for. 
Uh, we will return to breaking down the ADA in the future. Uh, it is a big endeavor that we're not going to be able to do for the rest of this episode. It has many facets worth examining. While how the ADA defines disability may seem pretty inclusive, like I said before, in practice, there are many shortcomings and limitations. The second half of this episode, I want to go over the basics and bust some myths in the process. Another one of our favorite tropes. Myth busting. Why do you think disabilities is a public health issue? Let's start there. Well, I think it's sort of the most simple or basic level, how someone moves through or experiences the world impacts a whole bunch of things. Work, health, well-beings, connectiveness, all those things. And the core of public health is thinking about everyone. And if we are not making things accessible to folks who have different abilities, then we're not really thinking about sort of population level health and well-being. We're not thinking about public health. Yeah. Very simple example. If something is not accessible, that means they have a difficulty access it. So for example, if they, their apartments don't have elevators, right? Or if their apartments are not accessible, they can't even get to the hospital. They can't even get groceries, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of things uh, impact health, and this is one of them. So some stats... More than a quarter of adults in the U.S. have some type of disability. So this is a huge, just numbers-wise, this is a public health issue for sure. Sure. And like many things, often there are some differences in how these disabilities are distributed across demographic groups. So of those 75 and older, 46% have a disability. Adults with disabilities are more likely to have various negative health outcomes. This is well-documented correlation, uh, obesity, heart disease, diabetes, etc. And there's also some intersectionality, right? There are issues that correlate together or sort of make potentially accessing things more challenging, right? So of adults with disabilities, a quarter have some other unmet healthcare need because of higher cost, higher likelihood of maybe poor outcomes. So we talk about sort of co-occurring morbidity issues, which may be exacerbated with a disability. Yeah. And people with disabilities often have transportation and mobility issues, right? Making it difficult for them to get the services and resources that they need if it can't even, you know, if have difficulty leaving their house. And people with disabilities are much more vulnerable if they are also affected by a serious illness or thinking back to that comorbidity issue. And I think it's also important to keep in mind particularly in the context of older adults, like as our life expectancy increases, like there's a potentially greater risk of people developing a disability that could impact their health and well-being. Quick tangent, James is taking some law classes for his master's and he was writing a paper about term limits for elected officials. Very important. And there were no term limits for senators and representatives because at the time that the Constitution was written. People died. The life expectancy <laughs> for males, for white males, right, which was really who was in charge Correct. still, but at the time in particular, was 36. They just died. They just died. You didn't have to worry yep. about somebody being a career politician because they didn't live long enough. So Yeah. So yeah. So a final point that I want to wrap up this episode, and this is the point that I've been working up to throughout this episode, is again, this problem that public health people face all the time is you have people who only think about things that affect them, right? This is a very common political mindset of like, why should we care about X issues? I don't have X issues. Same thing here. Why should you care about disability issues? I don't have a disability. Because thanks to something called aging, everyone will be disabled at some point in their life. In fact, the only way for you to not to have a disability at some point in your life is if you died suddenly. At some point in your life, it could be very late if you're very fortunate, you will at some point in your life due to aging have a disability 
unless you died suddenly, which again, maybe you don't want to do either. So I think the other issue when we're thinking about like, why should we care about disability issues? We have a tendency in the US and I'm painting with a really broad brush. Paint, cast paint. As I oft do. That's my trope, right? We tend to think about diversity really only meaning race, ethnicity. Now, there are obviously people who think about a broader context, but even when we broaden out diversity, often it's like, okay, gender, equity, or sexual orientation, religion, those sorts of things. I don't think we do enough to include physical ability when we're thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. And I think that does us a real disservice. And so we need to be broadening out our diversity perspectives to also include physical ability. Yeah, for sure. And another notion of why are we making all these accommodations for people, right? To that crowd, I say that mindset is incredibly apathetic and myopic. Making things more accessible costs you almost nothing and it benefits everyone massively. Hey, you know those curb cuts as in the sidewalk that has a little ramp? What if you're carrying something or what if you're like, it helps you too. like the automatic door pushy openers. What if you're carrying something? Your hands are full. It helps you too, right? It costs you almost nothing, but it benefits everyone. Rails on staircases. They used to not have rails, which I find insane. Elevators, ramps, like these are all making a space more accessible. It helps everyone. Like, why are you upset about this? I don't understand. Why, why are you upset about making life just better for everyone, including people with disabilities? A rising tide lifts all ships. Exactly. And with that note, we're going to end. Thank you for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. That is the best thing you can do to help us tell everyone how awesome and ubiquitous public health is. Please follow us on Threads, Instagram, and Mastodon, all at Everything is Public Health, and also Blue Sky Social at Everything is PH. We are no longer using Twitter. And you can find me intermittently on threads at CastPhD. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review. And I must stress now, we are not disability scholars. Far from it, actually. So if you think we missed something, if you think we did something wrong, please let us know. We're happy to receive feedback. You can reach out to us at everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. If you want to support the show directly, we have a Patreon page, which also acts like our website. Follow us there for all major updates and bonus material. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.